Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Inquisitive from Relay FM. This show is brought to you by lynda.com, where you can instantly stream thousands of courses created by industry experts. For a 10-day free trial, visit lynda.com slash inquisitive and Squarespace. Start here, go anywhere. My name is Mike Curley, and today I have the pleasure of being joined by Mr. John Maltz. Hi, John. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm very well, sir. And Happy New Year. Oh, and a Happy New Year to you, and Happy New Year to everybody listening as well. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Maltz, what do you like to be known for these days? Uh, uh, my my work in interpretive dance. Coming to a <laughs> town near you, right? <laughs> Touring the nation. You know, free shows for the kids. Very good. Um, no, uh, so I have a website called verynicewebsite.net, and uh, I also uh, happen to have just finished part of a book. How do you finish part of a book? Well, you write it with other people. <laughs> They finish the other parts and you finish your part. So we will talk about um, about the book. Actually, it's one of the main things that I want to talk about today. Uh, what is what is the book that you've written? What What is it called? What's it about? It is the visual guide to Minecraft. So it's uh, how to get started with Minecraft and hopefully become successful at playing the game. And it starts out... So my, and my section is like this, the first section is the... And one of the, the key parts of it is just surviving the first day. And then it goes on to do some more advanced stuff and in doing potions and doing enchantments. And then it goes into redstone and building houses and advanced structures and that kind of thing. So I want to I want to talk about the book and about the process. But I actually thought today that it might be quite interesting to talk about Minecraft just in general um, and kind of how you came to find out about Minecraft and the reason that, that, that I want to talk about this I mean it'd be you know I'm sure it'd be interesting for people that have played the game but I think it's I, I actually think it's becoming more and more important for people to understand what Minecraft is especially if they haven't played it because mm-hmm. I, I genuinely believe um, that it's a cultural phenomenon and well, it is. I mean, I don't need to believe it. Yeah. It is. Uh, and, and I believe that it's going to continue to just become more and more important. Like We were um, we were talking on uh, Connected on one of our other shows on Relay FM. We were doing like a year roundup. Um, and we were looking at some of the big acquisitions of the year. Um, and I still cannot believe that uh, Microsoft were able to to snap up uh, Mojang and Minecraft. What was it, like $3 billion? $3 billion, yeah. And, you know... Facebook bought WhatsApp for 19 or however much it was. And I, I genuinely <laughs> think that Minecraft is worth a heck of a lot more money lot than more WhatsApp. Than like, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. I, I actually cannot believe that they were able to I don't know to where they come up with that. these numbers. So. Yeah, of course. <laughs> but like if you, I mean, like, you know, Apple bought Beats for 3 billion. And mm-hmm. like, I don't, so you just think about it and you think like, I know Beats is it a seems, big company, but it seems Yeah, low. it seems like it's worth a lot more than Beats, but yeah, mm, what do I know? Because it's so much more than just the video game, isn't it, really? Yeah. Because yeah, it's, it is it's really a property. And, and for Microsoft, it's incredibly important for the Xbox, which is where a lot of the, the gameplay happens. I mean, I, I've always, most I've mostly played on uh, on my Mac, but uh, I know that for for their platform, it's hugely popular. I think all, all platforms, basically. Yeah, well, it really is. It really is. But it's a but it's a key it's a key game for them, for sure on that platform. Yeah, I think that's like you know a kid gets an Xbox and the first game that he wants is, is he or she wants really, and that's the other thing. It's very popular with girls too. 
So, so it's uh, it's a very it's a it has a very broad appeal. So I, I want to talk a little bit about that actually. Um, but kind of as a, as a start, can you describe what Minecraft is? I'm going to assume that you've probably been able to boil this down to a, to a, to a soundbite now or something. Uh, what did I say? It's a it's a first person builder game. I think that's what that's. I think that's the phrase that I used in the book. A first person builder because it plays like a first person shooter game, except instead of running around, you, there are some instances where you can't actually shoot arrows at things, but what you're mostly doing is is building stuff and putting things together and using items that you collect to make more advanced uh, items that allow you to do new things. And it's uh it's like almost like Lego in the virtual space. Yeah, I guess Lego is the thing, isn't it? That's like the easiest yeah. comparison. It's it's kind of like digital Lego. Yeah. And a lot of people thought that it made it would have made great sense for Lego to actually buy it. Yeah. I mean, and I don't know if they were even in the in the running for that. Yeah, if it, it where that makes sense, it also makes sense that they could find a way to just partner up. Yeah, in some ways, and which right? they, I mean, they have Lego. They have some really nice Lego sets for uh, for Minecraft. Yeah, because it originally started with just the one set, which I have, but now they have like actual real good mm-hmm. sets, which is yeah, which my is son got one for got one for christmas i'm sure i'm sure that that he did in your family i'm sure there's some of that going (laughs) on yeah there's a little bit of minecraft going on here there's probably i would not be a bit surprised if there's minecraft going on stairs down going on downstairs right now (laughs) so how did you first come into contact with minecraft um well i I remember my first first seeing it on like boing boing or some you know some one of those internet culture sites where you know they show you all these different stuff things and and just sort of scrolling past it and seeing it and and they talked it up a lot and i just looked at the images and thought what the heck i mean this is just a crazy thing that you know techno people play because it's retro looking i didn't get it at all and and then eventually uh, my son got into it. He's uh, he's just turned 11. And so he was he was probably. Eight or nine at the time, because he's been playing it for a few years now, and a friend was playing it and and, uh, and all the kids were starting to talk about it at school. So he wanted to play it. So I was like, OK, you know, let's we'll, let's find out what it's about. And, you know, I looked into it and found that it was a perfectly reasonable thing for someone his age to play, I think. And so we downloaded it and he started playing it. And I thought, oh, yeah, I should I should try it. And of course, it's a lot more fun if you're playing with more people than just by yourself. So and it's relatively easy to set up a network game in the in your house. And we started playing it together. And and I've since, you know, I play it on my own sometimes, too. So it's quite popular with he and I. My wife does not <laughs> has not gotten into it yet though. When you first played the game, had you read much about it? Like there is a thing called the first night, right? Which is how you survive your first night in Minecraft. There's no tutorial or anything like that. Had right. you had you looked up anything before you played for the first time? No, the first time I did not. He had played it a few times and so I started playing with him and he was trying to explain it to me and I wasn't getting it and I just I kept getting killed. <laughs> over and over again and getting frustrated because night would fall and I'd just be standing there, you know, out in the open with nothing to protect myself. And so I would, I I, eventually what I did though, is I looked up a video on YouTube and saw, okay, you got to go collect some things and make yourself a shelter in order to survive your first night. 
Yeah, because that's and, one of the big things, isn't it? It's like if yes. you if you don't build a shelter, you're going to get killed by the bad guys that come out at night, right. basically. Right, right. And that's turned out to be practically my favorite part of the game now, is that initial rush to get things in order to survive and yeah. seeing how much I can actually accomplish in that first day. Yeah, because when I first played, I basically dug a hole in the ground, got in the hole and put dirt over my head and waited. Yeah. But now when I play, <laughs> I like try and build a big palace in like the right. first hour or something out yep. of stone. You know, and it's just this interesting like the way that you adapt to the game as it goes on. Yeah. Are you much yep. of a gamer in any other types of game or, or is Minecraft occupying a, a singular space? That that's probably the thing that I play the most. Other than that, I mostly play iOS games, um, and I don't I don't play Minecraft hardly at all. On on I don't play the pocket version hardly at all. I much more prefer the PC version, PC Mac version. Um, and I and I've played you know I played games for years, but I I've never been like a real hardcore gamer playing. I haven't played a lot of games. Um, you know, back in the nineties, I played marathon and then i played halo on the mac and i've been playing halo on the xbox since we got an xbox so you know and and call i played the call of duty games too but um i never i never played them obsessively what about your son and he played <laughs> he plays games. obsessively <laughs> like before minecraft he was a was he was he much of a gamer yeah he's yeah he's always liked he's always liked games i mean he and he's always been really into the the lego the Lego games. I remember. So he started off on uh, Lego Star Wars, I think. And I remember one night when he was younger, I woke up in the middle of the night. It was like two o'clock in the morning and I could hear this, this sound. It's boom, 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 boom. It's like, I was lying there just sleeping, like you know, half awake and thinking, what is that noise? What is that? And I suddenly realized that it was the sound of like somebody breaking up things in Lego Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I crawled out of bed and I went downstairs and he had woken up and, and gotten out of bed and just like didn't know what time it was and went downstairs. And he looked so tired. He looked like he was grateful to see me like, like, man, I really need to go back to bed. Why did I get up? <laughs> and he was sitting there playing Lego Star Wars. And I was like, no, 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 no. Back to bed. <laughs> and he just, you know, he just turned it off and shuffled back to bed <laughs> so that was and that was quite a while ago so yeah so he's been he's been doing that kind of thing for for a bit and then he i think this is but minecraft is the first game that he has played on a computer and right. before minecraft he didn't really have that thing that's just we all know how to do naturally now which is moving around using ASDW uh, buttons and it took him a while to kind of get that down but uh once he did you know he's he's pretty fluent in the game now and he now and now he's he's also the, the nice thing about it is he's learned a lot about first of all he's learned a lot about file management because particularly with the earlier versions you know he, he quickly wanted to install mods and so he had to learn a lot about like how to unpack java files and put things in places they've made that a lot easier with uh installers that take a lot of the pain of that out but he he learned the the nitty-gritty of how to do that a long time you know a couple of years ago and the other thing that he's done inside the game is some of the mods let you do like little bits of programming 
So there was one mod that allowed you to put a lock on your door so that it, you had to punch in like a, a passcode like on your your iPhone yeah. to open it up, just like a four-digit code. Actually, it could have been anything because uh, you had to write a little script within the lock system. So you you made this, you built this thing, you put it in the wall of your house right next to the door, and then you had to write a little script to do the lock part to do the unlocking part. And so you had to, and basically you just put the password, you hard coded the password into the script and you could set it to whatever you wanted to. Um, so, but that was like, that was his very first experience doing any kind of programming. And the other thing that we, that he did just last month was we got a, a Kano, which is a Raspberry Pi um, device that they, I think, I think it was a Kickstarter or one of the other, uh, you know, startup funding things, but it has it has a version of Minecraft on it that, and it helps you code your uh, your own mods, and it's got a simple interface for how to create the functions that you want to make in hmm. your in your mod. And so he was doing some of that. It's mostly just it was visual dragging and dropping of of things to make functions. Um, so, but he's actually you know started doing a little bit of programming because of Minecraft. Does that make you proud? <laughs> well, sure, I guess. I mean, <laughs> I wish he'd do more, but he's at least done some. Yeah. And and it's and it's not I mean, I think there's a lot of instances now where schools are using Minecraft in order to try and teach kids these things because they know A, the kids love it already, and B, it's so B, it's a it's an easy way to get them to sit down in front of a computer and actually do this kind of thing. Because it has elements in it, right, which allow for some basic programming stuff. Right. And if not, I mean, you can always add it through a mod. Right. So for for your son, is this the game that's, like, prevailed? Like, has he continued oh, yeah. to play this for many, many years whilst other games just fall by the wayside? Yes, absolutely. I mean, he still likes the Lego games. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, he he's definitely most into minecraft above all else yeah because there's just one version really isn't there? i mean it's iterated over time but minecraft is minecraft yeah. there's never been a minecraft 2 no no not really i mean it's progressed a lot since the beginning but it's it's not like it's not like there are distinct versions other than other than you know my on, on a couple of different platforms so the pc version is different from the pocket version is different from the Xbox version, but not hugely. It's just that the the Xbox version does the a lot of the building stuff for you. It'll right. it'll look at what you have in your inventory and tell you, okay, you can make this thing instead of in the PC version where you have to come up with the recipes yourself. Yeah, that's the same with with uh, the PlayStation version. It's interesting because they kind of sit like the. The pocket version is the easiest, and then the console version becomes easier, and mm-hmm. then the, the the PC version is much harder. And right. I I have personally preferred playing the console versions where it basically just says like if you want to build this, you need this and this. Because yeah. I remember when I first played, and you'd have to try and find you know say you wanted to build a bed, you'd have to like either try and magically work out on your own what materials you needed, or search on the internet. Yeah, right. I mean not not that there's you know, no resources online. Yes, there's a couple. <laughs> you might have seen a few. 
So considering yeah. that, that Minecraft is such an online game, do you do things to try and ensure that you know your kids are protected and that kind of thing? Uh, yeah. Um, I try and you know, mostly just like keeping an eye on them and being around sure. to make sure. Uh, there's not too much, you know, it's like the, they could get into servers where you know there are other people and you and there are you know you can chat back and forth in the server um mostly it, it's just you know the worst thing that i've seen happen is just smack talk it's you know people <laughs> being kind of being less than nice to each other yeah um but yeah but it's possible to i mean i suppose it's possible that you could end up someplace um unfortunate with some of that but um but he doesn't have the other <laughs> you know it's like he doesn't have his own email account and he doesn't have his own social media accounts so i think it's uh it's a little bit less dangerous than some of those other things definitely what do you think are some of the things about minecraft that um are difficult for parents to understand or help with their kids um well, I guess there's two things. I mean, there's there's one is understanding the the value of the game, because uh, I think as far as video games go, it's it's really perhaps the best in terms of creativity. And I don't th- I think it's so that's a that's a hurdle to get over at the beginning. And then once you do, then you're into the world into this realm where the technical aspects become the 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 hurdle the everyday hurdle and like i said it was a lot harder back when it was harder to install mods where you would have to do unpacking of java files and things like that so we spent a lot of time i spent a lot of time sitting down with him and and going through how to how to do that process and now that uh they have an installer for forge so forge is the thing that lets you install mods into the game and mods add features or change things in the gameplay and it used to be a lot more complicated to do that. So it's nice that they've simplified that. And and Minecraft has made it easier by because the mods are written for specific versions of the of the game and they come out with new versions every few months. So what would happen is he would see uh, on YouTube someone doing a review of a mod from version one, five, two or something like that. And of course, we'd be playing one, six, four. And so it's like, OK, now I want to play this mod. Well, it's not out for one, six, four. Okay, so help me install one five two, like, and you'd have to go back and figure out how to install, oh. install these old versions. But now, at least in in the Minecraft launcher, it lets you keep the different versions, so you can have multiple versions of Minecraft on your computer at any given time, and you can install Forge separately for all those different versions. That really feels like a band aid, though, doesn't it? Like- <laughs> oh yeah, no, it's not. It's none of it's a great design. The architecture was not. I, I you know, I don't. They did not initially design it with uh. this in mind, and all of this stuff has just been cobbled together. And it's great. You know, it's on the one hand, it's great that it's it's open enough that this can be done. But uh, no, I don't think anybody would would set out to design it this way. It feels like a version two of Minecraft wouldn't be like a game change, like changing the game mm-hmm. significantly, but actually making these other component parts easier. Yes. So like from 2.0.0 onwards, it's going to work yeah. regardless, that kind of thing. Yeah. And they try and bake a lot of this stuff in. Because I guess, right. you know, we're, this was just a little project and it's turned into a multi-billion dollar industry. 
Right. Um, yeah. Because, I, I mean, I, I read a statistic that there are over 100 million registered players now of Minecraft, uh-huh. which is an incredible, incredible number. And there, there yeah. there's like a whole industry. People make their living from making yeah. oh, their yeah. videos. And some of them make very a very good living doing it that was one of the and that was one of the, that's how i got into writing the book was i wrote an article for the magazine about uh these people on youtube who do uh let, either let's play videos or mod reviews and some of them make tens of thousands uh, possibly even hundreds of thousands of dollars a month doing these videos because they're so crazy popular I want to talk a little bit about those as well um, later on when we talk about the video content that you made for the mm-hmm. book and, and see, <laughs> see maybe drew your inspiration from there. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about the book. But before we do that, let, let me just thank our first sponsor for this week's episode. Uh, you should be kickstarting your new year right now. And you can do this by challenging yourself to learn something new with a free 10-day trial to lynda.com. Lynda.com is used by millions of people around the world and has over 3,000 courses on topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as specific software training like Excel, Photoshop, or the creative cloud stuff in general. All of their courses are taught by experts and new courses are being added to the site every single week. As you look at 2015 and think about the things that you want to achieve, maybe you want to set new financial goals, maybe you want to pick up a new hobby, find a new job or improve on some current skills that you have, Lynda.com can help you do this. They have something for everyone. Once you sign up with Lynda.com, you'll get unlimited access to every single course that they have and you get to watch these on your computer but also on your tablet and mobile devices with their apps via iOS and Android too. Linda have highlighted some courses and videos that they think that listeners of this show might like. Like, for example, they have uh, the trilogy of documentaries from Gary Hustwit, Helvetica, Objectified and Urbanized, some great documentaries. They have uh, Getting Started in Audio and Music Production as well. And whilst I was browsing around, I saw some stuff uh, about design, which I thought was really interesting. So, you know, I mentioned about earlier, but, you know, you can learn uh, specific software like Photoshop and Illustrator. And these courses are actually taught by people who work at Adobe, right? So they're definitely the people that know how to use this stuff. But maybe you just want to learn drawing techniques where they have courses that will teach you the foundations of drawing, like how to effectively use light and shadow, as well as great drawing activities for you to do on a daily basis to help build your skills. Do something good for yourself in 2015 and sign up for a free 10-day trial to lynda.com by visiting lynda.com slash inquisitive. Go ahead, I challenge you to learn something new this year. Thank you so much, lynda.com, for supporting this show and all of Relay FM. So, John, at what point did you realize that you knew enough about Minecraft to actually write a book on it? <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure at any point. <laughs> I mean, there's so much, I, you know, and that's why I wrote the beginning part <laughs> because that was the part that I felt comfortable writing and other people wrote how to do advanced structures and how to do redstone. Redstone is something that I just don't, I don't have a good grasp of redstone. I can make little basic things with redstone, but I don't, I don't know <laughs> like even a fraction of how that stuff works. Um, so I was comfortable writing the beginning part of the book. And I and like I said, that's my favorite part to play. So I tend to play that over and over again. And I, you know, I'd like to build structures, but um, I I don't know that I am hitting like the the upper levels of the of the game. So it's it's a because it's it's a huge undertaking, really. I mean, it's a pretty it's a pretty expansive game. So it's I think it's kind of hard to to reach that level. Yeah. 
Um, you mentioned about working with other people. So what what's the story there? Uh, so, okay. So I wrote that article for the magazine and then uh, I was contacted by uh, Cliff Colby, uh, who writes for, who works for um, Peach Pit Press. And he had seen that article and said, hey, you know, we're looking to put together a uh, a book about Minecraft. Would you be interested in writing part of it? And so he had some other authors that he had worked with before, James Clark and Corey Dustman. And, you know, just between the three of us, we were able to, you know, divide it, divide up the subject matter and and work on our separate parts. We had a project manager who worked with us to keep us on task, which is good because <laughs> that's always a problem with me. So, uh, you know, and, and, it, and it came together relatively quick. Uh, Cliff and I met at, um, and I, I mean, I had met Cliff before, but we sat down to talk about it at WWDC in 2014. And I was done with my section of the book by, September or something, mid September. Wow. So yeah, so it was only a, it was only a few months, and you know it was kind of a it was kind of a roller coaster because we had I had um, vacation, you know, summer vacation in the middle of there. So we I was taking a trip back east to see my parents and my wife's parents, and I was writing as I was as we were traveling. I remember I took the train down from from Connecticut to Baltimore and was writing on the train, and spent a day or two in a hotel room writing while my wife and son were off with her with her family. So it was, uh, it was, it was kind of, it was kind of crazy. It came together a lot faster than I thought it would. And, and then we also did, we did some video, which was kind of, <laughs> the writing was a lot easier than the video was for me. Yeah. So the, the, the book itself, like the, the, the writing process, it, it wasn't so much of a collaboration. Like you kind of had your own sections and you worked in yes. your sections. Right. 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 And we and there were some parts there were you know we had to collaborate on the introduction and um and we had to keep things straight across all the different sections. So uh you know we had to read the other sections and make sure that we were all doing stuff that fit together. Uh but it wasn't but it, yeah we were not working you know we were not passing the same files back and forth and 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 inserting things into each other's pieces really. It was uh most it was most of the work was sitting down and working on my section and doing screenshots and putting things together just by myself. What was it like to create the video stuff? <laughs> was this new for you? Yes. I mean, I had done some video capture, you know, just a small amount of video capture. Uh, but the thing that I hadn't done is video capture of a video game. <laughs> and what I found was... <laughs> It's a whole different subject because the uh, the the tax on the graphics capabilities of your computer become a lot higher when you're trying to run a graphics intensive game in an environment like Java on on your MacBook, you know, which has mine, which has four gigs of RAM, and also trying to run video capture software at the same time. So what I ended up having to do was my son has my old uh, MacBook Pro. And I, it has eight gigs of memory in it, so I was able to. I had to, I had to steal his his laptop from him for for large bits of time in order to do uh, do the video capture 
part because so I struggle I struggle with that a lot and I have a 2012 MacBook Air so it's got four uh, gigs of memory and a 1.7 processor but that was not I found that the game itself dragged to a halt when I was trying to do the video capture <laughs> and the fan kicked in it was crazy loud and so not it was not it's not working out very well so I had a I had a I had a relatively hard time doing the video part. Um, but, uh, fortunately all that's behind me now. What ended up taking longer to create the words or the videos? The videos. <laughs> I think, well, I, I, overall, I think it took a longer period of time because I was actually just finishing some of the videos, like, you know, redoing a couple of uh, things just before Christmas. So, uh, yeah, I think that was. That was definitely longer. It's it certainly felt longer anyway. <laughs> you, but I think it turned out turned out okay. Considering that this wasn't a, a like a self published project, were there like tools and systems that you kind of had to adhere to? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> the publishing industry is still heavily a lot, a lot. Most of it is still heavily centered on Microsoft Word, so I had to get a. A copy of Word, which I did not. You know, I mostly I do I do everything in BB Edit with Markdown, and I had not worked in Word for a while, so that was kind of a challenge. And I actually wrote most of the most of the copy in BB Edit with Markdown, and then dumped it into Word. And I found that that was kind of cumbersome. I think I know that there are some tools that make that process easier, but particularly considering they had their own um, styles that I needed to adhere, adhere to, and they provided a template in Word in order to use those styles. Just, I mean, it was at, doing the editing ongoing in BB Edit and then re-uploading to Word was just, it was pretty much out of the question. So I did do the beginning of it in BB Edit, but um, after that I did everything else in Word. It was just, it was simpler that way, even though I'm, not particularly crazy about working in that environment. <laughs> word, word sucks, but you can't beat that change tracking. Oh yeah, and also yeah, right, and also the change tracking exactly. Yeah, and that was that was that was a huge part of of the process. And we the the edits were, uh, I don't say. I mean, they weren't they they weren't lengthy because they were. I did they didn't feel lengthy because they were all good. Um, the process was. I mean, it did, but it did take some time and we went through several iterations of that going back and forth with the files. When you're creating something like this, which is a, a slightly technical book, but there's, there's some nuance to it. Um, what is the editing process like? Cause I, I, I assume that you maybe have, you're writing to somebody who also doesn't understand what you're talking about. Like it, is some right. of the edit in like, can you explain this? Cause I don't know what this means. Uh, Yes. Yeah, and and particularly with this book, I mean, and, and part of this actually made it better, so that the project manager didn't really know Minecraft, and so that was actually good because for starters, it's a you know the book is aimed at people who are beginners with Minecraft, and and also aimed at kids too, since it's highly popular with kids. So we needed to make sure that we were making making appropriate explanations for things and not using. You know, and and the, my normal writing is for mostly for Mac geeks, and I have a tendency probably to gloss over some of the finer points, just assuming that everybody knows what I'm talking about. 
and in this you know <laughs> that was not possible in this in this case and it worked out very well actually because she she would she would force she was very a very good editor so uh she forced me to do uh what i needed to do <laughs> and it would go so i think the original and basically i think the original edit is just for information and basic style stuff and then it goes back and then it goes on to editors who do more about like the style part of it and then it goes back to you and then it go, you know and then i think we we probably went through maybe i think it's 3 or 4 edits overall right did did you enjoy this this experience had you written anything long long like this before um i mean not since college right. probably um so i I like I said I I enjoyed the book part I didn't enjoy the video part very much <laughs> just because I struggled with the process so much and spun my wheels a lot at the beginning with the with the book part it was a lot easier I mean because I write every day it was a lot easier just to sit down and start doing that yeah I had a little bit of trouble at the very beginning trying to figure out where to start because I wanted to start at the very beginning and that was my first reaction and then I thought. And I sat there and I was like, okay, you know, trying to think about where I was going and what I was going to do. And then I thought, hang on a second. I'm not, I'm not getting anywhere this way. So I'm going to jump to the first day because that's the part that I know the easiest. And that's the part that I think will be the most fun to write. And so I wrote surviving the first day, which is actually, I think like the third, second or second section um, that I wrote out of four yeah. And um, I got that out. And in a way, it was a little difficult because then I had to go back and I had to change a few things and move things around in order for it to make sense, because I had to take some of the explanations, the beginner explanations out that I put into the first day and move those into like getting started section. But what it allowed me to do is get a whole chunk of material out of my head and into a document. And then I felt better about where I was, whereas I think I spent a couple of days at the very beginning just sitting down in front of the computer and not knowing exactly what to do. So organizationally speaking, I think it would be nice if you could start at the very beginning and had a plan of knowing exactly what you wanted to write for each each section. But uh, it didn't quite work out that way for me. And it was a lot. I found it a lot easier just to start with the fun part, (laughs) just to get something done. And then I felt better and was able to go back and and attack the other sections. I guess there's like a weird thing. Like I, I don't I don't write a lot of uh, long stuff, but I know this from some of the things I do when I'm kind of planning a story or whatever. Go start, middle, end. Sometimes you don't know what the start or end are until you have the middle. Because mm-hmm. right. once you've got the middle, you know how it can be set up. You know how it can be finished. And, yeah, and it's yeah. it can be a weird a weird way of planning kind of longer content yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just it's it's just good to get something done too. <laughs> yeah. I think I think once you get you get a head start because I think panic sets in, and like you don't you you know the f- panic of failure. So you, you don't you think oh my god do I know what I'm doing? Am I going to be able to do this? And particularly if you know if it's like your first, I'm sure it probably gets a lot easier. But since this was the first time I had ever written part of a book, it was uh, a little bit more. It was just like that. <laughs> that fraud (laughs) feeling like i don't know what i'm doing 
Uh, let me just take a, a quick break. Uh, thank our fans much for us to have a couple of things I want to talk to you about today. Um, okay. This week's episode is also brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, visit squarespace.com and use the offer code QUESTION at checkout. With Squarespace, start here, go anywhere. When it comes to giving yourself a place on the internet, there is nowhere better than Squarespace. They put all of the power that you need into your hands and take away all the things that you worry about, things you don't want to deal with, like hosting, scaling, and support if you get stuck with something. Squarespace have really fantastic templates. They all look really, really great on every single device because they all feature responsive web design built right in. They are built from the ground up to be thinking about how they're going to be looked at on different devices. And Squarespace 7 has improved so many of their tools and has brought along with it 15 new templates. They have a bunch where they cater to specific professions, like if you're a musician or an artist or a chef, they have some new templates that have been made for that and they've worked with people in those industries. But all of their templates look fantastic for all types of websites and they have some that are built to, to be just like business sites or personal sites and that kind of thing. But you can take them and you can manipulate them and you can do what you want with them there with their easy tools and, and everything all everything you're doing all the changes that you're making are being reflected in real time and you get to see they kind of split the new interface up so every change that you make all the content that you put in and all the changes that you make you do them live to the website and then when you're finished you press save and then the rest of the world can see them it truly is a WYSIWYG interface even more so than it's ever been before Squarespace now features something that they call the cover page too this is new with Squarespace 7 it allows you to create a really great looking single page website with all of the power of a full Squarespace site. They, this can be really great for like a personal site or an intro or maybe you're promoting something. Maybe you've just written a new book about Minecraft and you want everyone that comes to your website <laughs> to learn about it. And you can do this kind of stuff with Squarespace and as people are starting new projects with a new year and that kind of thing, maybe you should be trying out cover pages for that new thing that you're thinking about launching. All of this stuff, all the new awesome stuff that Squarespace is doing is built on top of their core greatness that they had before, like their 24-7 customer support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Ireland, so they're there for you all the time. Uh, Squarespace has their great commerce platform, which allows you to add a store to your site. They have uh, continue to have rock-solid, fast hosting, and all that kind of magic. You can go and sign up for a trial right now with no credit card needed to do this and start building your website today. If you just go to squarespace.com and then when you decide to sign up, you'll get 10% off your first purchase if you use the offer code QUESTION at checkout and that will also help support Inquisitive and Relay FM. Thank you so much to Squarespace for sponsoring this week's show. That's Squarespace. Start here, go anywhere. So John, would you consider writing a book again? Oh yeah. So you, you enjoyed this experience overall then, I assume? Yes. Yes. I mean, it's kind of what I, it's, it's just an extension of what I do normally, which right. is writing online. So, uh, I would absolutely do it again. The video part, <laughs> I don't, I mean, I, I'm sure I'd be better at it, like, you know, trying it again now and I'm already better at it. So like the, you know, the process of doing updates to what was done was a lot easier, but the, I find the process a lot more cumbersome, particularly when they ask for an edit of a video that you've done. It's really hard to edit a video, like a section of a video, particularly if there's something that's wrong on the screen or something that's distracting on the screen and they want to remove it. Then you have to go back and you kind of have to <laughs> recreate. In one instance, I had to sort of recreate the how my screen looked 
like two weeks ago mm. and put windows in the right places. Cause otherwise you, you either have to do the video all over again. And sometimes that becomes problematic or you just have to try and fake it and faking it is not, it's not that easy. There's, there's so, no easy path. It's just which one's like yeah. the path of least resistance, I guess with that kind right. of thing. Right. What's the, what was the biggest thing that you learned from this experience? What's the biggest lesson that you've taken away? Uh, don't do the video, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Find someone else to do that. Next time they say, like when, somebody video, asks you, <laughs> when somebody asks you to do video, really think about it. <laughs> See if you can do just the writing part because it was a lot easier. <laughs> do you think that if you were to, to do another project like this that you would want to continue working for a publisher? Do you think you'd like to try something on your own? I would like to do both, actually. Right. Um, the publisher adds a structure that's actually beneficial uh i don't know that i'm the best at editing my own stuff and having an editor uh is very useful and also the publisher provides can provide like a larger reach so getting the stuff out there and taking care of a lot of the nitty-gritty the stuff that you don't want to necessarily do um but uh, it might also be fun to do some self-published stuff and I think that stuff's gotten a lot easier and there's a little bit of uh, satisfaction in, in doing it that way as well. But uh, the, the other nice thing about having, for me anyway, about having a publisher is that they set the schedule and I am very deadline driven. Right. And I have a hard time imposing those deadlines on myself. So it's nice having somebody, a project manager who says, okay, you got to have this done by this date. Yeah, maybe you just need to find a friend or something that can uh, yeah. <laughs> can just get on you about it. Yep, right. So what were some of the biggest differences you noticed in like between writing a book and like publishing for your website? Like did you have to change your writing style and tone because of the differing audience? Yes. For, particularly for this book, yeah, I mean because it's a very different audience. I mean, I I have a very sarcastic <laughs> tone and you know, I was able to use some of that in the book, but because a lot of the readers of the book might be kids, I wasn't able to really turn it up to like 11. Yeah. So it's, yeah. And uh, that was a challenge in certain instances. And, and, and also I would say frustrating in certain instances because the project manager would come back and say, I think we should probably, you know, <laughs> not use <laughs> this phrase that you used here. And I go, oh, but it's uh, being like, oh, it's so funny that way. <laughs> but I would have to take it out or or change it to some try and find some other way of, of doing it that was still funny or still had the same spark to it that uh, was not necessarily <laughs> more suitable for adults only. It, I mean, we've spoken a little bit about um, editing and, and having an editor, and I assume you've had an editor for pieces where you've maybe written for magazines and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Did you notice a difference in the way that, that you were edited for a book as opposed to how you are for a magazine? Is it more kind of hands-on? Um, uh, yeah, it's, well, it's quite hands, hands-on compared to online editing. Um, most of the stuff that I've edited that's been published, you know, the pieces that are written for Macworld have been, more lightly edited, I would guess. I mean, because the editing for online pieces is much faster. There's much more of it. And 
uh, it's a little bit looser than the stuff that gets into gets into print. Uh, also, par- par- partially just because there are size constraints and formatting constra- more formatting constraints in print. So the stuff that I used to write that I've written in the past, that I wrote in the past for Macworld magazine back when it was still a thing, the print edition, uh, were similar to this process uh, because there was a layout phase and there were, it went through multiple people who were looking at it uh, before it was finalized. So, and that was an, int- that's always an interesting process because the first person, you know, something might get through the first edit. And then it seems like the people who edit for layout for some reason are always much more dour. <laughs> like a lot of the things that I, that I wrote um, were, you know, things that I thought were just funny jokes and fit well into the into the subject matter often get edited out by people later in the process and in certain instances i would have to go back and say no um, that really needs to be in there otherwise you know otherwise you picked the person the wrong person to write this <laughs> <laughs> did you uh did you feel differently about the finished project uh, the product like let's say you've worked for a couple of months on a really long article for the web or piece for a magazine does it feel different because it's a book uh yeah yeah it does feel different i mean you know my name is on the front as opposed to someplace deep inside of it and it's a it's a it's more serious undertaking i mean it takes up a much longer chunk of your life i mean it wasn't that long it was only i mean i guess overall i worked on the whole thing if you include the videos i worked on it for more than six months so I would never, I mean, I've never worked on, I don't think I've ever worked on an article that long. I haven't done like a huge, I mean, the piece that I did for the magazine took quite a while. That took yeah. three months to do uh, overall because I had to interview people and, you know, finding some of these, trying to track down some of these these Minecraft video producers online and, and pin them down at times to talk on Skype. That was not easy. <laughs> um, because they're, you know, partially because they're busy, but, you know, also because some of them are, you know, like, 17 year olds who are in high school <laughs> and they've got other things that they're worried about. They don't, they don't have time for this dude who wants to interview them for a, an article. Uh, so yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's definitely different. I mean, it's a bigger, it's just a bigger undertaking. And so uh, you take a little bit more sense of pride in something that it takes longer to do. Did you find your style was different, the way that you were approaching the the writing of the book? Like, did, did were you like, was your process different? Were you checking harder for typos? Like, were you thinking more about structure than you do for when you write online? Uh, yeah, and a lot of that was in you know that's just inherent in the process because you know I had to come up with an outline and stick to the outline, and I was yeah I was very definitely tasked with writing certain things. And also, like I said, like I've said, this is the audience was different for this than for most of my stuff online. So definitely a much different process. Yeah. And, you know, in a way more frustrating, I guess, because it did much less freedom in, in going, kind of going off on tangents like I often do (laughs) because, you know, if I write an opinion piece for, for Macworld, uh, they'll, they give me a, you know, a fair amount of latitude and, and making cracking wise. And, and also just like, it, because there's no, there's no space constraints. I can, if I want to 
bring in a side top and topic and talk about that for a while it's fine so so it's you, definitely different you are also a podcaster you, you, you uh have a couple of shows turning this car around and the rebound Mm-hmm. Had it ever crossed your mind that Minecraft could be a show of it all of its own, starring John yes. Maltz? <laughs> it has crossed my mind. I don't know if I'm necessarily the person to do it, but um, it, yeah, it definitely seems like that's. I and mean, I'm sure there are there, there are Minecraft. Course, yeah. There's got to be po- Minecraft podcasts out there. There's certainly a lot of people making a, a very good living uh, doing it on YouTube, and uh, yeah, so it seems like it's a. There's no, there's very little limit to <laughs> the the breadth of appeal for Minecraft. So uh, there's there's a lot of space if you have a if you had the right voice. But it definitely seems like video is the is king for this. Yeah, it and, seems like and, yeah. and to that, then getting into the game at the beginning that was very frustrating for me because I was not about to sit down. I, mean, I was very reticent to sit down and watch a video of somebody explaining something i was much more used to like i want to read an article i want to read i want to read something that somebody wrote down and and i think that there's something to my point about that because a lot of the videos that you watch uh are somewhat rambling and take a long time to get to the point about what you you know it's and it's and it's hard to go back and find the you know like you need to go back to find something that you're to refer to something earlier it's much harder to do that in a video than in an article uh, so I'd never really taken to that, but for some reason with Minecraft, and I don't know if it's, it's because it, for most of it, you know, most of the audience is kids and maybe it's harder for them to, some of the ages, it's harder for them to read and it's just easier for them to listen to somebody, tell them how to do something. And that may be part of the reason, but whatever the reason is, most of the con a lot of the content is on YouTube. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 that's kind of the place, isn't it? It's not even so much mm-hmm. podcasts in the way that we think about them. It's like a show that lives in a different place, right? But you've uh, you've probably made the decision that a video show is not it's not your thing. <laughs> I've got a face for podcasting. <laughs> Part of the so, reason. Mr. Maltz, where can where can people find uh, the book itself if they uh, if they've heard all of this and they're like, I need to need to read this incredible work that Jonathan. Uh, the hard copy is available from Peach Pit Press. And so if you go to, what is it, peachpit.com, yeah, peachpit.com, and you can either search Peach. on my name or the Visual Guide yep. to Minecraft. They also have uh, ebooks, and um, the, the, uh, and the ebooks are also available on iBooks, the iBook store, and uh, Amazon, and, and Barnes and Noble, if that's still a thing. Of course, there will be links to all of this stuff in uh, the show notes, which you can find at relay.fm slash inquisitive slash 20. But where else can people find you, sir, if they want to, to see the other work that you do on the internet? Uh, I am at verynicewebsite.net or uh, The Rebound, which is Reboundcast. Sadly, I can't even remember. <laughs> yes, reboundcast.com or Turning This Car Around. Uh, so Reboundcast, Rebound is uh, a podcast I do with Lex Friedman and Dan Morin about Apple and technology and turning this car around.com is uh, a podcast I do with Lex and John Armstrong about fatherhood. Both of which are delightful fun. <laughs> 
And everybody should be listening to them. They are great shows. <laughs> All the good shows. Thank you so much, sir, for joining me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks. Thank you. Thanks to our sponsors again this week for, for helping support the show. You should support them because they support us. That's Linda and Squarespace. If you want to find me online, I am at iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. And we'll be back next week for another episode of Inquisitive. Until then, goodbye. <laughs>